I call it a positive appreciation rampage. So I love that. As a coach to go around oh, the rabbit man. hole and go, man, um, I'm really nervous, and it's hard to give these guys the green light. But once you know they have it, you just I start just nonstop going. You know, Sean's the best in the world. Sean can do this. Sean will do this. Sean's capable of this. I love this idea. I just go on a rampage the opposite direction of fear. I just- you are listening to the Live Better Show with Brett and Jason, where we dive into life crushers changing their game, talking about wellness, and sharing a message of putting plan into action. Live Better is based on five pillars. Move better, eat better, think better, give better, and live better. We move for freedom, to do and go where and when we want. We practice good nutrition to combat an age of being overfed and undernourished. We practice mindfulness for ways to live purposefully. We give better as the basis for why we do anything at all, especially when focusing on the health of our clients and community. And at the intersection of it all, we live better. Health and wellness is the sustainable fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better. Our guests share their story, their mission, and the pursuit of having the best day ever every single day. Hey! Turn up, bitch! <laughs> Today's sponsor of the Live Better Show is Hyperice. At Hyperice, their mission is to provide athletes with a set of tools that improve performance by accelerating recovery time, preventing injury, and enhancing the body's ability to move more efficiently. All Hyperice products are developed and tested to meet the standards of the world's best athletes. Vibrating foam rollers and balls, the best ever. We simply cannot get enough of the Hypersphere and Vipers. We use them before and after every training session we complete, whether that's for running or rock climbing. We are also lucky enough to provide you with the best discount code ever. Use the code LIVEBETTER20 for a 20% discount off the site. Brett and Jason here with the Live Better Show with our boy JJ Thomas. How are you doing today, JJ? I'm doing great, you guys. Thanks for having me. Super excited to uh, have you on, on the show today. You've have some epic accomplishments, doing some really cool stuff now, and and moving your business forward. So we're you guys. <laughs> we're just we're super hyped to have you on the show. So we would just love for you to give our our listeners a little background of what you're currently up to right now, and then we'll dive into how you got there. Sure, sure. Um, can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Cool. Um, so, as you know, I'm just kind of still on the Olympic come down um, from. Sean and I, we, we were working pretty extensively the last uh, two or three seasons, grinding up for the uh, 2018 Sochi Winter Olympics, and, uh, you know, really, really happy beyond grateful that he accomplished his goal, and we got it done, and uh, we've both been on a bit of a come down, and so I'm, uh, I'm at home right now in Encinitas, California, spending a little time with my family, uh, but I'm also working with new clients uh, selectively, and so just kind of kind of getting it going, starting the the Olympic cycle back up slowly, if you will. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a pretty serious start to this conversation. What um, oh, okay. can, can we uh, just take a quick step back and talk about um, what it means to be a snowboard coach, and then we can get into a, a little bit more about your athletic career and then how that's translated to you helping Sean with his. Sure, man. Sure, man. Go ahead and fire away. Yeah, so could you just start with just kind of what it means to be a snowboard coach? Like walk through sort of how that yeah. business works. Yeah, so being a snowboard coach, there's different There's different coaches. I mean, there's coaches at a hill. 
Uh, there's coaches at academies, and there's coaches for national teams, and then there's very few private coaches, which is what I do. And um, so my job as a private snowboard coach is I'll take one athlete or two and travel with them. So we'll go and compete with them. And so we'll hit the road for two weeks at a time or a week at a time. Usually it's two, though. And uh, we'll go to a place, and uh, it's a it's a full 24-7 deal uh, where we're living together. Um, we'll, we'll rent, like, a condo or a house, and we all kind of eat together and uh, do post-workout you know, recovery stuff, and then we get on the hill every day. So it's a it's a pretty full on deal what I do, and it's unique uh, because, like I said, it's there's not a lot of private snowboard coaches out there. So it's um it's and it's new. <laughs> so we're kind of on the, the the pioneering it, if you will. But uh, that's that's more or less what I do. How did you did you feel like you got into that just from being an athlete yourself? Hundred um, percent. It's a funny story the way I got into it. I I never planned on coaching. I, I never. I never even thought about what I was going to do after snowboarding. People would ask me, and I'd just say, I don't know, because I was so focused on snowboarding. I was like, I can't worry about the future right now. So I was snowboarding and um, had a great career. I went pro when I was 15, and then fast forward to 31. I was at the end of my career, but I was in a great space. Um, I was riding, actually, really, really well and feeling good about it. And it was December Right before first contest of the year, I took a horrible crash, like you do. Yeah, I mean, once every year, if you're pushing it, you're going to crash hard. I crashed hard. I'm laying in the flat bottom of a half pipe, half unconscious, and um, I'm hearing people all around me. And then I hear a friendly voice, and it's Louis Vito. And he's going, Jay, I got you. Jay, I got you. And he, he goes, you can want to get up. And I go, yeah, pick me up. And he picked me up, snowboarded me down to the bottom. And he goes, all right, man, rest. I'm going to go practice. I'm like, thank you, Louie. And off he went to practice. And I laid there. The team, the doctors came and visited me. And long story short, I had a real good concussion. And um, I partially tore my ACL for like the third time over 15 years. So uh, I got it fixed right away. And two weeks later, I'm in bed recovering. And Louie calls me. And he goes, hey, man. Uh, he was one of the few guys, only two Americans working with private coaches were him and Sean White. And he goes, me and my coach have a bit of a falling out. Would you consider coaching me while you heal? And I, I go, whoa, I don't know. I mean, my gut says, yeah, I'd love to help you, but I have sponsors, and I don't know how that will be for my career. Let me sleep on it. So I slept on it, called him the next day, and said, hey, man, I'm going to try this with you. What, where, what do we do? Where do we go? <laughs> so uh, it was really cool. We just we got into it. So I ended up going through that season as his coach versus his competitor. Wow. Um, someone he's used to competing against. I, I I joined his team and you know ended up renting the cars, staying with him or next to him, and being at the top of the pipe, helping him, videoing him, giving him feedback, and I loved it. It was so fun, and uh, I just I knew it. I was like, this is this is better than competing for me at, at the stage I was at because the guys were too good. I was like, I need to get out. This is, this is my exit. And I was enjoying it. So that's how it started. I think that's really cool. And it shows that you can turn something that a lot of athletes would consider something extremely negative, like a career ending or limiting injury yeah. into something that has now kickstarted the next phase of your life. 
I just recently in January actually surfing um, tore my hamstring away from the bone, and ah. I, yeah, moving is my right, mo- moving <laughs> is my entire life, and it's my livelihood, and it's what I like to do for fun, and it gave me a massive ego check. It's given me all kinds of different insight into the way that my body moves and needs to recover. Uh, and I know that Sean had a really serious injury um, before this last Olympics. Can you just talk about what that injury, how it benefited you, but then also sort of what you took away from it in terms of both being an athlete and a coach? Because I think that's really important for a lot of people to have all of these setbacks and just have a hard time dealing with the change in goal or the change in focus. Um, But hearing that from somebody who's had a very positive experience, I think is always powerful. Yeah, man, no, that's a great question. And he, he, he had a horrible wreck. Um, I mean, it was, uh, it was was bad and and we're actually really lucky that, uh, he's, he's okay. Um, mentally and physically, I mean, he's going to have scars the rest of his life on his face, but he's, he's okay. But, um, you know, I think um, what we took away from it, the, the, the positive, I'll start with the positive was, you know, when you get injured like that and it's it's kind of life-threatening and definitely life-altering and it really makes me as a coach and him as an athlete go, man, is this worth it? Like, And we had a bunch of serious conversations and I had to really ask him, go, hey man, you know, I'm on the other side. I made it to the other side. It's great over here. If you want to join this side, I'm not, I, I, I'm, I back you and maybe this is a sign that it's time. Maybe it isn't, but you need to decide what you want to do. So we're going to go home. We're going to get home and you need to heal up for two, three weeks, see the doctors and then call me. And either way, if, if you want to hang it up, I back you and I'll help you transition. Cause that's an art form too. But if you want to keep going, I'm with you too, but we need to, we need to learn from this and, and move forward. In, in a little different fashion and uh he called me you know he, he came home and healed and he called me in two three weeks and he was on the horse again he goes i, I i'm in too deep i can't walk away now <laughs> and i said okay i said pack the bags we're going to europe you know and he he showed up with a i mean still scabs on his face and stitches in his mouth and we we went to train and um we toned it down we had a really fun kind of get back on the board camp and it, uh, it really, the mood and the new attitude we brought to that camp, I think, set him up for success the rest of the season. So that was the positive. Um, the negative was obviously, besides the horrible injuries that, you know, he's going to have to live the rest of his life with, they'll, they'll heal. But, I mean, it was bad. And um, he's still recovering. You know, his face is still healing and everything. But we... Uh, that, that's the negative. It's just the physical harm and the and the, the and the damage it does to the mental and physical side of your body. It's it's so brutal and um you know just to, to, to getting through that the the mental and physical components of that is really the negative side. The rest is, is all positive. It, it, we I'd say we gain more. Luckily, it's how the cookie crumbles, and we got lucky here, and uh, we learned a lot. We learned when to push, too, because Sean pushes the sport so hard. That's the other thing. We're in new ground, you know. The tricks he's trying, there's only him and Ayumu at the top trying this stuff. And we really had to walk away and go, okay, when in doubt, 
we, we have to hold back. You know, there's times to push now that the tricks are so advanced and we really had to learn how to hold back. So that's what we got from it. But it, it was crazy, man. Yeah, that that is crazy that you're both – you're giving like the most capable snowboarder of all time – advice to go in two opposite directions one to hang up the boots and the other to push tricks farther than anyone's ever done it the like just the split between those two the gravity of that decision i'm sure weighed on sean major but for you like that takes some balls to even say that like i'm sure that was a pretty cool coaching moment for you to be like i can guide this like incredibly capable human being in two directions and still keep that super positive yeah yeah thanks man and i try to specialize in that in in showing you know the the positive in either way and it's you know i mean it's all mindset and attitude and you can look at it one way and it's dark or you can look at it a whole nother way and it's and it's white light so i was giving them both options that i i felt were good um and to be honest, I was I kind of had PTSD from it, as did he. We both did, and I was ready to walk away. I was like, I'm done with this. I don't want I don't want him getting hurt on my watch, and I don't I want to see him get out healthy. Like, what does he have to prove? But um, he decided to keep going, and so I adjusted some coaching tactics to keep him safe, but keep him progressing. It was a fine line we walked, man. I mean, no one will know how I I it'd take a book to really explain how he got it done and how challenging it was (laughs) balancing the keeping him safe but yet keeping him on top and i want to get back um shortly into the self-talk that you guys have on the mountain but just from your personal experience riding so you beat out sean for a spot on the olympic team when sean was super young for the o2 games that you medaled in can you talk yeah. about your experience riding um, in an Olympics and winning a medal? That's incredible. Oh, thanks, man. That was that was a fun time in my life, and um, it was uh, it was definitely a peak for me. And uh, it's it was amazing. I mean, just you know, being an athlete and trying to make the team for the U.S. is incredibly hard. And then you have to go there and you got to deliver. I mean, you have to. You don't. It's a judge sport, so it's not about like. Oh, I hope I get first. I obviously you want to get top three and walk away with the medal, but it's a judge sport. Like you watch the Sochi games, there was runs that got fifth and sixth that could have arguably been third too. So, what you want to do though is 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 get there and and really perform to your capabilities. You really want to just do what you're capable of doing there. You don't want to make it to the big stage and fall short. So. Um, I pretty much did that, so and I was happy to walk away with the medal. But I have to say, going back 12 years later, or however long it was as a coach, and helping an athlete get it done was actually more rewarding than doing it myself, for whatever reason. And maybe that's my personality, but I, it was way more gratifying. <laughs> it sounds like the transitioning into coaching for you has opened up a lot of new um awareness for yourself because you keep going back to how rewarding it is you even just said it was more rewarding than it was doing it yourself and i think super interesting i mean jason and i's business is around coaching and training and doing that and it is nothing but rewarding when you see a client or somebody you're working with accomplish something great you just know that like it might have just been one thing you said one day that fueled that 
Um, and I would love to just kind of dive into your coaching um, and how you have pulled from the sport into how you coach because you kind of just dove right in. It's not like you get a certification to be a <laughs> snowboard coach. You just were like, I want to make this transition. So you just started doing it at, and also at the highest level. So how, um, how have you learned to do what you're doing and how have you pulled from your athletic experience to become obviously very good at what you're doing? Oh, thanks, man. Well, I, I learned from experience. Um, like I said, I, I started with Louie, and we were building up for the uh, 14 games, and he was a favorite, and we actually fell short. Um, he didn't make the team, and that was a huge uh, disappointment for both of us. So, you know, it's not like I walked into this and had the glory. I mean, we got we both got dealt the tough card there. We Don't get me wrong. We had some very high moments. He did great. But long story short is I, I learned from experience. So when Sean wanted to hire me, I really just reflected and looked back on my experience from Louie and uh, just go, man, what, you know, what could we have done better? And you just really try and dissect it and go, what, what can you learn and take away from my last Olympic cycle, my first one as a coach where we fell short? And then how can I improve that moving forward? Uh, that was a huge aspect of it. And then the other component is all my experience as a competitor. Um, half the stuff I, I'm telling Sean and uh, people I coach is, is things I learned. And I really, it's cool because I can use myself as an example. That's what I like most about it is I can, instead of going, hey, guys, do this, just because I can go, hey, guys, do this. I, I did this and it worked for me or I didn't do this and I wish I would have don't make the mistake I did so that's that's kind of the funnest part of um, having the career that I have is I can spin it in a way where you know, kids and even grown adults like Sean will listen and go wow alright that, that's interesting <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the benefits of athlete turned, turned coach and I want to uh, talk about the way that you guys sort of like progress into competition um, but I, I want to hear what, th- this is something that I've been super passionate about recently has just been on positive self-talk and Brett and I have a lot of ways in which we promote and coach that we have uh, a saying for the better have the best day ever every single day. And it's this very overarching, um, sort of like, it's always on you mentality to, turn something into a positive experience, be able to handle adversity, but you are in a pressure cooker standing at the top of a Olympic run with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of eyeballs on you. Talk about your self-talk at the top of a run and how that's different from how you would coach Sean when he's standing up there pre-run. You know, what's funny is, um, at the at the end of my career, I tapped into something, and I really ended up applying it to my coaching um, as of lately. And I, I'm a big believer in um, you know feelings, and, and if you're feeling good, and, and you're kind of uh, honestly, if you're just feeling good and you're feeling confident and calm, um, you're going to have a lot better results. So, you know, at the end of my career, I'd, I'd have a little technique I do obviously in the morning and then you got to get to the hill and eat but then before you know right before the run when we're all nervous I'd have a little technique I'd use to kind of generate real positive um kind of gratitude 
like feelings and it would kind of take the edge off and just put me in a good space and I ended up doing that for myself and I ended up doing that coaching as well I, I just make sure I was in the because I, I, I I'm all about leading by example you know if you want your athlete to be calm and confident you need to be calm and confident and if you want them to feel good you have to feel good you can't be uh, you can't even you can't fake it either because it's all vibes up there when you're when your life is on the line everyone feels everything so um, that's kind of what I've done um, with coaching too. I just try and get into a little zone where I feel good, and off we go, and then we do our work. Can you and talk? I just hope that oh, it sorry, rubs, rubs off on them, and I think it does. I mean, they obviously can feel it. Can so. you can you talk about some of the ways you specifically sort of like induce that flow state you get up there, the feel good emotions? Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, for me, um, you know, I I started practicing. Um, I call it, I don't even know what I call it. It's just kind of a gratitude exercise I learned maybe a decade ago. Um, And I just really, you know, it's like anything, the more you practice it, the more, the better you get at it, the more efficient you get at it. So I just started saying thank you, just general thank yous for the day, just because we all get so caught up in the moment, like, oh my gosh, this is the Olympics, and your thoughts can take you down so many rabbit holes good and bad so I just started going um you know when I was an athlete I would stand up there and, and I'd just say thank you I'd just be like man and I'd start going through the list like thank you for this opportunity to perform thank you for this snowboard thank you for my coach thank you for my family at the bottom pulling for me um thank you for my girlfriend pulling for me thank you for my health thank you for this great run I'm about to have and I it would just I would just it only takes 30 seconds one one minute even even 10 seconds, you know, the more you do it, the quicker you get at it. And I'd start feeling really confident and grateful. And um, it just set me up for success in, in the latter part of my career. And a lot of people will tell you I was riding my best at the end. Um, so that's what I've taken in my coaching, you know. Um, you'd see me at the Olympics with Sean. I'd be drinking tea. I was just walking around drinking tea, feeling good, talking to myself. And then he'd come talk to me and... Just by me getting in the right state of mind, I was confident the right words would come out. Instead of trying to micromanage what I'm going to say to him, you know, because you only get a few sentences with these elite guys, their attention span's short. So I would just make sure I was in the right space. And my space is um, it's just a grateful space. I just try and feel good and grateful. And from there, the right words seem to come out. Yeah, I think you just, you nailed it on the head by saying that you just had to live it and it just it just flows out like when you're living it you're not like you don't write down the speech you're going to tell sean at the top of the mountain in the same way for yourself you don't write it down and then read it before you get up there you just have to create a space for yourself and that is that's developed over time that's creating routine for yourself that's feeling good that's being you know, aware, and the number one thing that you mentioned, which exactly. is a, a poster I mean, it's, it's of us, is gratitude. Like a, you, you always have your bullet points, and I'd have my bullet points and my go-tos um, that I think are, are positive and really empowering, but, you know, I think that really combined with making sure I'm in a really calm, grateful place, um, that just makes everything work. For me, that's what I found. So. What, uh, after Sean had his injury, and you can probably comment on this when you continue to ride, which I'm sure you still do now, how do you handle when fear starts to creep in? Because I found the biggest, scariest part of injury is now you have this like mental check 
where you're just not quite as sandy. I mean, I've, I snowboard a lot and I love it. Um, and I remember being younger, just staring down a giant booter and just hitting the full send button, not caring at all. Now I look at that and I'm like, no fucking chance any longer. Yeah. Like I'm just powder day. Give me my like Rufus del soul and my headphones and let me just cruise. <laughs> so yeah. what, uh, you know, when fear starts to creep in on a stage like that, he's got to have some things running through his mind. Do you find that it's still that that sort of like gratitude meditation is allowing you to settle back into it? Or then do you kind of let some of those butterflies start to amp up and you're like, all right, let's go. Like, this is my gold medal run. Yeah, well, um, it's a combo of feeling good. And then, you know, as a, as a coach at my level, really what I am for, for my top guys is I'm the green light guy or the red light guy. They look at me and go, is it game time? Can I, and, am I ready for the cap 14 yellow? Is it, are we ready? And I have to say yes or no. So there's all these, you know, it's, it's, and it's a bit of feeling too, but it's really watching your athlete and making sure they've checked the right boxes to get ready for the big trick. That means they've done the, the build-up tricks. And then you got to make sure the pipe, you like where they're going to do it. Make sure the hit's perfect. They're going to stay in the pipe. Make sure the wind's not blowing. Um, try and check off all these factors. And then once I check them off and I go, man, I like his attitude today. I like I like the pipe. I like the wind. They're ready. Um, then you have to give them the green light. And uh, that's when you, you go on. I call it a rampage. Um, uh, I call it a positive appreciation rampage. So I love that as a coach to go around the rabbit hole and go, man, um, I'm really nervous and it's hard to give these guys the green light. But once you know, they have it, you just, I start just nonstop going, you know, Sean's the best in the world. Sean can do this. Sean will do this. Sean's capable of this. I love this idea. I just go on a rampage, the opposite direction of fear. I just totally, once I, I've, I make up my mind that it's safe and it's the time I just go on a positive appreciation rampage for these guys and um, give them the green light. And they, they, they look at me in the eyes and they feel me and they do it or they don't. But um, at least I know when I'm sending them that it is the right time and they are capable of it. So it's, it's a lot. So it sounds like as a coach, there are a couple different areas that you're focused on and, and, Correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of it is mental. Obviously, you need to set the yeah. athlete up to be successful with the positive appreciation rampage. But then <laughs> also, awesome. there's a physical component of it. And I would love just to back up. We'll just say six months prior to the Olympics. How does training look six months, four months, two months, a month, and then a week leading up? Um, I know that we work with a bunch of ex-athletes, and Jason and I were athletes ourselves, but never at that level. Um, and so it's interesting to hear kind of how does training differ, and then what are your exa- what are your exact responsibilities as his coach at each checkpoint leading up to the event? Well, my responsibilities as as you know someone like Sean White's coach leading up to it is two things, and it's a it's a big counter act each other it's it's keep him progressing so keep him excelling but keep him safe at the same time that's the balancing act um 
that's that's really what it comes down to and then um it comes down to managing the stress you know um yeah that's that's really what it comes down to and then each each month leading into it each week and each day is just so different and um every athlete responds different to stress and and pressure so you have to know that um but the end of the day I just kept reminding myself, keep them progressing and keep them safe. Balance those two, and uh, we'll be we'll be okay. And uh, we we had some hurdles. I mean, I can't say it was all smooth. You know, we had that horrible injury right before in New Zealand. I don't know if that was that might have been nine months before. Yeah. Um, and then so we were on a lot different path than the other guys because we started slow. I mean, when he came into that first event in December. He still had cuts in his mouth, and we were just we were just trying to be safe up there, you know. And he got third at the first event, and normally he would have been. And he was a little mad after, but we were like really excited, and it was cool to see him get third and be happy. He was like, man, he was kind of. It was, you'll never see that from Sean because he's first or nothing. And trust me, by the time we got to the Olympics, it was first or nothing. I mean, he was in second going on our last run, and that, that would have felt like. He might as well not made the finals. <laughs> but given what we were up against in December, it was just about, you know, let's get back into competing, let's land, let's snowboard safely, let's try and get on the podium. And he did it. Um, so it's all it's always changing, but at the end of the day, it's just about keep them progressing and keep them safe. Yeah, I think at, at that elite level, there's only so much you can do in, in keeping them progressing. And so the safety is super important. They're an elite athlete for a specific reason. It's because they are at the top. What are your yeah. – um, so are you the guy that is programming at 6 a.m. we're going to wake up and do this, then we're going to eat this, then we're going to go out and, and do this workout? Like what are you in charge of as the coach yeah. on a day-to-day? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's that's pretty much it. But we, I, I work with him and all my guys because that's the beauty of snowboarding. Um, now, when you're at a competition, it's different because you have. My job gets a lot easier at the competitions because this is training, this is competition. That's all we got. But when you're practicing or at a training session, there's like four hours or maybe five hours. So um, you kind of have to know them, and and I'm big on sleep and food. And kind of flexibility. I'm not the drill sergeant guy, but that is my job to go, hey, guys, what do you think about leaving tomorrow at 9, breakfast at 8, let's do alarms at 7 or 7.30. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's my job for sure. But like I said, in competition, it's a lot easier because there's a set schedule. Yeah. Um, out of competition, it, it definitely becomes more of my, my forte. But um, I work with them. I work with them all and just go find the happy medium you know they're oh that's early and then it changes you know we'll do one day early and then we'll stay up there all day and then they might like in the afternoon session or they're tired so you gotta let them sleep in you can't really when you're working with one or two people you really have to just watch them and see how they're responding and and be flexible and be ready to change at a a moment's notice i've heard sean talk um in the last couple years about how fitness has become like a bigger part of his training routine because it sounds crazy to say but i'm just guessing that sean is now on the older end of the spectrum for snowboarders as you know 14 year olds 15 year olds are now winning medals um very much so which was crazy this year that kid stuck it um 
But uh, can you talk about the role that training plays outside of riding now? Like, how is fitness playing a bigger role in riding? Because I would have to imagine that some of these guys are now getting interested in a lot of things like gymnastics and yoga, a lot more mobility work. Oh, 100%. Um, I mean, Sean will tell you, he didn't work out really his whole career until just recently at the end where he was like, whoa, man, like, I'm really sore, and I think to keep going, I have to work out and eat cleaner and do these things but now like for instance I coach a kid named Toby Miller now he just turned 18 and um we were in Japan for two weeks recently and I had to sit him down and go hey man you know you're entering you're a pro now your your body is your money and your livelihood so you can't be staying up till three playing video games like if you really want to make this next move like you tell me you want it but if you want it you have to do things that correlate with your goals and so um, he he was really cool and responded well to it, and he's been at home working out, and he he's getting his fitness together, which is like you said, it's it's number one, stay on the snow, but number two, eat eat good, drink lots of water, and just stretch. Stay you know take care of your body and, and find people that can heal you. Like find your find a local massage therapist in your area, find a chiropractor you like. Do it all. Take take advantage of all the resources you have because that's what kept me going, and that's what kept Sean going at the end too. You know, he was traveling with Esther Lee, who was um, Serena and Venus Williams' trainer. And she was on the road with us on and off the last two years, and she played a huge role. She didn't get much credit, and she should have got a lot more because she really helped keep his body moving. She'd work on him every night. She'd help me cook or just straight-up cook. I mean, she was a huge factor in everything. So that stuff's huge. It's just huge. Yeah, I find it interesting because when we were coming up, and I'm sure you could shed some light on this. Nobody stretched. It was just go play your game, go play your sport, uh, focus on running harder, hitting harder, I'm sure for you, going bigger. And yeah. there wasn't this focus on back-end recovery work, but a lot of what Brett and I have been focused on for the last few years is mobility. Like how can you get soft tissue manipulation? How do we warm up, cool down, think about the recovery side of things with sleep and stress um, and managing the recovery side of things? Um, I'm sure that, especially post injury, Sean was like, "All right, we got to figure, we got to figure this out." Yeah, you're dead right, and I think the reason it's changed is because, I mean, if you look at all the sports, you know, you even the ball sports, baseball, basketball, football, skating, surfing, snowboarding, they're all so progressive. Look at how far it's it's moving at such a rate now. Like when I was a pro. At the beginning, we could all kind of party and chill and do whatever because it wasn't as demanding, but it's so demanding now on your body and your mind in all the sports that, and it's so much more competitive that you really, you can't do the stuff we used to do back in the day. There's no more Babe Ruth. Like, there never will be. They, they won't make it. They won't last because there's guys who don't drink all season or maybe their whole career just to stay fit and they will surpass the dude with more talent who drinks so there's all these factors that that have really changed it and it's cool how sports are evolving and that's that's the main reason i think it's just because it's gotten so competitive and so evolved that you have to change with the times or you will get spit out and you'll be flipping burgers or doing whatever you want to do at your home but if you, if you want to keep the dream alive you have to make sacrifices because kids want it bad now and and the sports are so demanding that's where it's at you have to recover you have to sleep you have to eat you have to get worked on 
and you can make it without it, but you won't make it as long, and yeah. you won't be as good as you could have been. Yep. And that's it. It's really maximizing potential, and yeah, that that, is, that seems to be the most overlooked I, I part. I my kids, I go, you guys have a short window here. I go, sports, especially professional sports, are, is the shortest, most opportunistic time in your life because you have a window, and then it's gone. And then you have the rest of your life to be a normal dude and do normal <laughs> stuff. But right now, is your, your this is your shout at the championship. So if there's ever a time to you know, not slam that vodka soda, this is it. Because trust me, drinking's still fun when you're 40 and 35. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you want to wait, man. Learn from me. Wait. If, if you, actually, those things are better when you're older. When you're young and you're doing sports, this is your shot. And you have your whole life to be normal. So say no to certain things and say yes to training hard and working hard because this is your only chance, man. When you're working, I guess probably some of your other athletes are more applicable than Sean since he's both stood on the podium and have plenty of experience with high-pressure situations. How do you coach some of the younger guys on ways to recreate the pressure of competition riding, especially if they haven't been there before? Do you have any ways during training where you raise the stakes? Um, because now, just as you we've been talking about, the stakes are higher earlier, so that means that there's a 17-year-old kid getting to perform in the Olympics at the highest stage who's never been there, and sometimes, obviously, it works out really well. Um, but in, in training, how do you recreate some of that pressure of, of competition riding when they might not have seen that stage before? Yeah, that's a good point, man. Um, I mean, obviously, experience trumps all, and you just said it. Um, if you can just, if the kids can compete, even local, and then they, they make it up there, that's, competition is the best training but you know when that's not an option it's funny because sean you know he's such a performer he'd have a hard time sometimes throwing down and i don't blame him especially the tricks and he's getting older we'd have to make bets yeah me and toby still do it you know we make the silliest bets like all right man you know if you get this this trick or this trick this trip then I'll shave my head or I'll shave my beard or you can, you know, stupid it's a pierce my belly button. <laughs> I mean, we've even taken it to tattoos. Like, we go crazy yeah. just to to get these guys to go. And that's kind of what what's works for us is, is putting some, some stakes on the line and um, kind of goes back to golfing, you know. Um, if you guys golf at all, it's a great way to do it. And we kind of bring that, we bring that gambling into snowboarding. Like, hey, you don't throw the trick or you got to get a tattoo. It's kind of like <laughs> playing your buddies for 20 bucks. You don't want to lose. And all of a sudden, $20 becomes just like playing a Masters or something. Not quite, but <laughs> Close. It, it helps. And so that's what we do. We just we, we make some bets up and have some fun with it. And it really works well with Sean and Toby. So as you're um, traveling, you said you do a lot of these like two-week stints. Um, obviously, leading up to the games, you're away a lot. How do you keep your sanity? What does your day look like regardless of what you're doing with your client? What are you doing during your day? How are you staying healthy? How are you staying motivated? How are you staying on that positive mindset um, throughout the day um, just with your own routines? Well, I'm a big believer in um, the morning. You know, if you, if you start your day right, and you don't always get a chance to, right, because sometimes you're traveling and it doesn't work, but when it's in your control – I think if you can start 
your day right. If you have an hour, set it up. If you got 10 minutes, use it. Um, the start to the day for me is everything. You know, if I can get up and, um, you know, drink some water, meditate for 10 minutes, kind of go on a, on a gratitude rampage in the morning, then go eat some healthy breakfast, and then off we go to the work day. I'll, I'll be good to go. I, I kind of struggle when I miss my morning routine um, because, like I said, you can't always do that. But for me, if I can just wake up and get 10, 15 minutes of meditation in, some water, some good food, go on a gratitude rampage, meet my athletes, we're ready to go. We usually, that, that kind of sets me up for success all day. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in um, both in the morning and then on the back end at night too, just taking some time to wind down before sleep. I think having those two areas of your day be super controlled, even the time is you know, something that maybe you can't control, but what you get done in that time I think is is vital. So the fact that, that you set yourself up early is, is super important. Are you still uh, getting on the board and working out and uh, doing that type of stuff too? Well, that's the beauty of being a private coach is I, I I do most of my coaching on the chairlift. So I'll watch the guys, and then I'll ride down with them, and then we'll take the chair together, and that's where I get in my one or two senses of coaching and kind of feeling, and then we ride. So I'm getting in literally as much snowboarding as I used to. It's not, thank God, it's not the high-impact, super risky stuff, but... Um, he goes off the jump, and you go underneath him with a camera. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you go in the footy. Yeah, you get the, in the helmet cam footy. You, you get the photo cred. Dude, like, how did I crash? I'm like, yeah, I got to come up with something quick. I'm like, well. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I snowboard a lot, um, yeah. which is fun. It's really fun. So um, You still I send it at all? I just try and stay in shape so I, for my job. Luckily, um, I mean, I, I love sports in that regard. That makes me stay in shape. So it, it makes me, when, even when I'm home here with my family, I, I'm walking the baby like two or three times a day. I'm doing core stuff in the backyard, keeping my stomach and back strong, just staying active. Um, you know, I'll get in the gym twice a week realistically, but I just play hard and, and just make sure I'm stretching and keeping my, my core strong and my body moving every day when I'm home, just so when I go to the mountain, I can keep up with these kids. Hell yeah. No excuses. Yeah. <laughs> at home or on the mountain uh i got a got a couple rapid fire ish questions for you um what's your favorite place to ride oh oh probably japan wow okay. all right we'll see you there we'll come yeah. we'll come <laughs> yeah. visit you I, it's on, on my on my uh it's on my bucket list how about favorite trick that would be a method, just a big old method, and, or on the backside wall and a half pipe method, and then a frontside tuckney on the front wall. I'm gonna have to come out for a coaching session. <laughs> what is your best riding moment? You personally riding? Doesn't have to be in competition either. That could just be like you're just cruising some powder on your own. Anything. Um, in the past, I mean, like when I if someone asked me what was my best moment. Yep. Oh, there's a couple. I mean, I, there's two, you know, I have, because I have two sides of my career, I have my powder moments when um, I have about three different runs or four I can go through my head that were dreamy, and then I have my competition days where I'd show up and basically not fall all day or even land that low and, you know, make it on a podium. Those 
I got two two different couple different ones, but there's a bunch of them. So <laughs> I draw on, on a lot of past experiences for those. How about best coaching moment? Best coaching moment uh, for sure is when Sean won on his third run at the Olympics, and I'm saying hi to everyone and pack up my bags, and I'm riding down the hill to the bottom to do the circus down there. And on the way down, I go, man, I need a call. I need a FaceTime home. And I FaceTime my girlfriend in Encinitas here at the house, and she had like 40 people over. <laughs> and they, uh, they saw me, and I just started yelling, just howling. I was barking like a coyote running <laughs> snowboarding down the side of the run, and they were crying. I was crying. Um, and then I told them I loved them and showed them the bottom of the half pipe and hung up and then went into the circus. But that was, that was probably the coolest, most gratifying moment of coaching, if not my life. What was the first thing you said to Sean at the bottom? I think he said we did it, and we just hugged. <laughs> we just hugged and cried, and I was like, I knew you could, man. I knew you could. It was, it was just more of an embrace, you know? We just embraced and just felt the love. and felt Really, we felt light because we had such a weight on our backs. I felt like we were both carrying around two elephants, and they were, they were off, so we just hugged and just felt like we could fly. That's awesome. What is your last one? What is your go-to appreciation rampage subject? You got to pick one thing. Do you, do you have anything you come back to? Like, th- you know, this is going to make me feel good every time I every time I give it a little gratitude. Yeah, I, I go through the people in my life. You know, I say thanks for my girlfriend, thanks for my parents, thanks for my athletes, thanks for you know everyone. The people. I think people are the most powerful and important thing in life, and re- relationships are the number one. Um, most important, impactful thing in this world. So I, I always just say thanks for the people and strangers I'm yet to meet and everything, all of it, you know. Yeah, people, I think, are are at the end of the day, everything. And Jason and I, like we've mentioned, our motto is have the best day ever every day. And one question we love to ask everybody is you can wake up tomorrow, be anywhere, do anything you ever wanted to do. What does your best day ever look like? Oh, for me? Yeah. Oh, um, gosh, man, that's tough. But it'd probably be uh, just waking up here at home, walking, walking. You know, so I do mornings with my baby. I let my lady sleep in, and then I'd go uh, surf around 9.30 for a half hour out front, and then I'd come home, eat a little food, hang out with the kids some more, and then I'd go to the golf course at around 1 and get in a little money game, gamble, hopefully win, come home, cook some dinner with the family, watch sunset with them wind down and go to sleep that'd be my number one day best day ever that sounds incredible i'm coming to california we're doing a uh we're doing a day epic we're surfing golfing and snowboarding same day (laughs) oh that's all you can do that here man yeah we're gonna do do it let's do it man i'm down and so one uh, one caveat to that, this is Brett, I have never snowboarded in my life, so I could use the best coaching possible, <laughs> so I'm going to take you up on a quick lesson. I'll take care of you, man. I'll take care of you. No problem. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we're, we're super grateful to um, have you on the show. Give us some of your time. We know you're ultra busy and um, everything that you've accomplished um, as a coach, as a professional, and now just learning more about how you do it is something that Jason and I just want to thank you for. It's, it's inspirational and it's actually just amazing to hear people doing things out of the goodness of their heart and for the right reasons. So we're super thankful for you being on the show and we obviously wish you the best day ever. 
Hey, man, thank you guys for having me. You guys, uh, it's always nice to talk and hang out with like-minded individuals who, uh, who are helping people and really opening up the world to show people all that exists. So thank you guys for having me. It was a pleasure working with you guys. Thanks, JJ. All right, man, much love.